The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. It is a busy time in Auburn as school starts tomorrow for Auburn University. Everybody was back in town, moving in. Uh, it was rush weekend, I think, something like that. A bunch of, uh, I know a bunch of girls were getting excited for sorority stuff. I don't understand it, but so many people in town and uh, the, the calmness of so Summer here around Auburn is officially over so uh, we enjoyed it while it lasted but it is no longer but hope you all had a fantastic weekend hope you all are having a great Monday so far we have a fantastic show for you today and as I promised on Friday before we got out of here I said I had an announcement to make and uh, for Oh man, it's been, how long has it been? It's been months now since I have been hosting this show by myself since the beginning of April when uh, the previous host, Noah Gardner, took a uh, another job elsewhere uh, doing something completely different that he wanted to go and do. I've been hosting this show by myself since April, and it has been so much fun. It's been a big challenge for me, but it's been a lot of fun. But the process and the, uh, the journey to find a co-host has been something that has uh, taken a lot of time, a lot of effort, but I think it has finally paid off. We now have a new co-host of On the Line as a new era begins. Carter Bird joins me in studio for the very first time as a co-host here on On the Line. Carter, welcome in, man. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Thank you for uh, having me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this. I'm glad to, uh, I guess, start this journey with you. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially as what we're 19 days from football season I mean there couldn't be a better time to really kind of get started get in the groove right as September 3rd is just around the corner I'm I'm excited to be here well tell everybody about yourself a little bit a little bit of your background in this uh in this radio industry what have you done so far and uh what do you want to do so I've worked at a few different radio stations including here previously uh, but, I mean, I've worked at Jocks in Birmingham. That's where I, I, I interned there while in college, and that's that's kind of where I fell in love with it. Uh, I they, they let me on air a few times, and maybe that first time there was a little bit of nerves, a little bit of, holy cow, this I'm in front of a mic, and right. this is going out to thousands of people <laughs> on the air. And yeah. uh, I just got more comfortable with it, Got came back to Auburn, got involved at the Auburn Sports Network, got involved at Weagle. Shout out Weagle for sure. Hosted a couple shows there, or was a part of one show and hosted my own show there. And I worked for the Auburn Sports Network for, I guess, two years. And then got a little, uh, went and got a master's at Northwestern and worked in uh, a different kind of, different space, still still sports, worked a little bit in the NIL space, and then wanted to get back involved in media and 
that's really how I ended up here, and I'm I'm excited about it. It's it's what I love to do, and I just couldn't be happier about it. Well, man, I, I can tell you one thing. I'm excited you're here. It's a new co-host for me. It's somebody to talk to, bounce ideas off of, and you're exactly right. There's no better time to get started than right now with football mm-hmm. season. We are 19 days away, man, from Auburn football kicking off the season, even closer than that from college football. We're already in football season. NFL preseason's already started. The high school season is here. And not only are you my co-host along the line, you're going to be my color analyst for, for Lee Scott football mm-hmm. for the Lee Scott Sports Network. I know you're excited about that. I am as well. Our first games is Thursday night, my friend. We are getting started and throwing you in the fire because there's no time. There's no time to waste. Lee Scott football this Thursday night. We are going to Chambers Academy. That'll be on AU 100. Uh, that's 100.3 with the Lee Scott Sports Network. So we are excited for that. Auburn High gets started on Friday. They have a massive game Friday night. So you are getting started at a fantastic time. We're excited to have you. And a new era of On the Line has officially begun. Let's jump right into it as we are 19 days days away from Auburn kicking off the season their first scrimmage was on Saturday lots of big time notes a lot of information that came out of it of course it was closed to media closed to the public Mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of stuff come out about it of course Brian Harson talked after the the scrimmage on Saturday had some big time things to say what's one thing that stuck out to you that Brian Harson had to say after the scrimmage on Saturday well I think what what stuck out to me is the fact that we finally heard about a uh, a second freshman that that is starting to really stand out in Damari Austin, and I think if if his shiftiness and the speed, I mean, I believe he had a forty yard touchdown run in the scrimmage. If he can carve out a role and kind of spell Jarquez Hunter and Tank Bigsby, you don't have to ride those guys to the point that they get banged up. Which which we've seen them both get banged up. I mean, Jarquez has missed spring with a with a, a knee procedure, and you've, you've seen bang, or Tank at different times get banged up in his career. But I think having another quality quality back to turn to is key because we've seen Auburn teams that have tried to ride a running back for the whole year. The one that jumps out is 2017, Carrion Johnson. Yep. Absolutely carried that offense, and... At the end of the year, Alabama game, you get back-to-back super physical games against Georgia and Alabama, and then he kind of gets banged up, and he's not, he doesn't, you don't ever see him in an Auburn uniform at that fully healthy level again. He doesn't, he isn't the same guy in the SEC mm-hmm. championship game. He still isn't the same guy at the Peach Bowl, but I mean, I would like to see enough quality depth that that you don't have to run a guy 30 times a game and put him at risk of getting banged up and then you don't have that aspect anymore well like you said we've seen that with Auburn so many times over the years with such good running backs Mm -hmm. we know Auburn brings good guys in it's just sometimes they rely on them too much we're talking about Auburn's football scrimmage on Saturday talking about the notes from it hey phone lines are open by the way 334-321-1390 that's the number to put you through to us 334-321-1390 call in be a part of the show be on the line talk with Carter talk to him and uh, congratulate 
them on day one here on On the Line. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, like you were talking about, Damari Austin has got a lot of praise so far through mm-hmm. camp. Uh, we heard that he has uh, just a unique skill set at the running back position. We know how good he is coming out of the state of Georgia. He has so much speed and electricity, but having that third guy, you're absolutely right, to have behind Tank Bigsby, who, by the way, they said has gotten even better than last year. Not sure how that's possible, but he has gotten better than last year. We know how good Jarquez Hunter is, who, and I think, could start in almost every SEC school mm-hmm. in this conference, right? I think Jarquez is that good to where he could start at most schools. But you're right. You have Damari Austin, who has taken that step, who is building himself up. He may not be the guy this year, but he's going to be down the road. I mean, if he can, if he can touch the ball five, ten times a game, mm-hmm. and, and just in, in places to let the other two get a breather and, and allow them to stay fresh over the course of the game and over the course of the season – that's all you need from him. You don't need you don't need him to be a guy in this true freshman season to tote the rock 15 20 times. You he just needs to fill roles and then if he can continue to be a guy who can make plays out of the backfield, maybe you can get creative with these these athletic running backs that you do have and you can put multiple guys on the field at the same time and make defenses have to account for them all. In space, in in the backfield, you can you can do different things with them. Yeah, and you know a, another player that has gotten so much praise throughout fall camp and even after the scrimmage, yet again, Camden Brown on the wide receiver room, uh, a room that has big time question marks. Right, it's a room that people are worried about coming out of last year it's a room that people still had big question marks coming through the spring, coming through the fall. Right. But a guy like Camden Brown getting so much praise at the, his size because he is a different style of receiver, right? He's not mm-hmm. a he's not an Anthony Schwartz that's just going to yeah. outrun everybody. Camden Brown is a big boy now, but he is getting so much praise from the coaches so far this fall. I really think that this this receivers room is going to be really interesting this year, just because I think there's packages where you could see so much size on the field. Camden Brown at six three. They, they talk about him like he's just walked in SEC ready day one, which you love to hear. And the hype around him, I mean, if you're asking somebody who gets to see these practices, you might you might think he's going to win the Bolitnikoff this year with, with, <laughs> with just how much that hype train is going. And then you also have guys like Landon King, who is somebody that I really believe in, and I, I still wish that they had found ways to get him on the field more last year. I think that he was he was a skill set that was lacking in the passing game, more so than he was used. And you saw him make the unbelievable one-handed catch in the mm-hmm. Iron Bowl in the biggest moment of the year. I think that guys like Camden Brown, guys like guys like Landon King, and then even like a Xavier Capers, who they've mentioned has progressed a lot this year from yeah. last year. You could see three very very big receivers on the field at once and I do I don't think that's something we've seen in a long time at Auburn and I'm excited about it yeah look man the receiver room is it's something that uh, again it's a big question mark and that's Mm -hmm. okay because we saw where that held Auburn back last year right we saw where you know 
at times the receivers couldn't get open. There were times where receivers, they got open, but they couldn't catch the football. Or they just weren't a factor at all. And now I think there are some skilled players in that, in that group. And when you look at their coach, Ike Hilliard, he's fantastic, man. I think he is the real deal. He knows what he's doing. He has so much experience. And, and look, I think he's going to do great things with this wide receiver room. We can talk about that some more in just a minute. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Ed, you're on line one. Welcome in, man. Uh, hey guys, how are y'all doing? We're doing, doing great. Right. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I, I want to agree 100 percent with you uh, about Ike Hilliard, and, and you know, and like in recruiting, I think the guy that we've got coming up uh, so far, the the speedster, he's like five eleven. But you want a guy, you know, that six five or something. And you got Landon King, and I think he is a He's just a great talent. And uh, I think I'll tell you another player I'm looking really forward to, uh, Woodyard. And, and then Dylan Brooks, is he, what have y'all heard about those two? Well, with Dylan Brooks, I've heard great things. I've just heard he has, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to, to playing time and their role, still kind of up in the air. But I've heard Dylan Brooks is just athletic and is, I've heard great things about him. Yeah, I think Dylan Brooks is somebody who has always had a really great mindset coming in as as a freshman and then going into his second year at Auburn. But I think he's going to have a role just because of necessity. I mean, there's not a crazy amount of depth in that edge room. And so, I mean, he could be the fourth, fifth guy, which in the modern SEC, that guy's going to be on the field every game as long as he's healthy and so I think you're going to see Dylan Brooks out there and you've heard comments by Derek Hall that he's going to be ready what like he has to be ready whether or not like in his own mind he's ready right now like he he has to be ready to go because like it's going to be he's going to be a necessary part of this defense and so I I believe in the athleticism I've heard only great things about his mindset, how he how he handles himself every day in that building, and I can't wait to see him finally get on the field in a significant capacity. Can I get one more quick, uh, just a, a kind of hypothetical to y'all? Real yeah, quick. Ed, hit us with it. Uh, okay, uh, let's say you're Nick Saban. We all agree he runs a pretty touch, you know, pretty nice. Program. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> uh, let's say that it just happens that he happens to have a quarterback controversy and all of a sudden he hears on sports radio of a host saying that he has somebody that knows more people at Auburn than anybody ever and that every uh, coach at Auburn wants uh, at Bama wants. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Do you understand that that boost? Did y'all hear the the previous show? Uh, I was I was listening a little bit, not a whole lot, Ed. Uh, I'm I'm not 100 percent picking okay. up on what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Uh, Doug said that yeah. he knew somebody. He knew somebody that knew more people at Auburn than anybody ever, and that person told him that 
every coach at Auburn, every coach wanted Calzada to be the quarterback at Auburn. Would Nick Saban, would that, would whoever had put that out, would they ever get back in the athletic room? And would that reporter ever be allowed to be around anybody related with uh, Alabama? Well, and I, I mean, look, it's it's a hypothetical for a no, reason, no, right? No, I'm asking, no, no, I'm asking. Don't don't hypothetical. It ain't no hypothetical. It is exactly what just happened on this radio show. Yeah, I, I the look. Guy said that, that, that for that for that every coach. At Auburn, wanted uh, Calzada to, to so whoever every everybody that told this guy and him, uh, you know, if that was Nick Saban, you tell me would the, any of those people ever step foot in that athletic department building ever? Maybe, maybe That's not. But question. and look, and that may be the no, case not at Auburn. Maybe and it, not. No, not. They may maybe want not. look, come Ed, Ed. Come on now. They look. They may want Calzada. They may not. No, look what. And look, and that may have happened. Nobody wants that out. Nobody. That does not hurt. That does not help any of the quarter. That is nothing but anti all. I, I agree with you, Ed. <laughs> I, look, I agree with you, man. I really do. Is it the right thing to say? Is it right that it got out? Maybe not, but we'll have to see. Ed, hey, man, we're up against a break. I apologize. We appreciate the call. Bye. That was Ed here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. We'll come back and talk a whole lot more of Auburn football and the scrimmage from Saturday. When we come back, you're listening to the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Uh, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Opelika sports leader. Question of the day. It is about the quarterback battle. Carter, we did not get a chance to get to the quarterbacks yet. We're about to talk about them, though. Don't you worry. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390. With the quarterback battle, with the scrimmage on Saturday, the words from Brian Harson and the stuff that we are uh, reading and hearing about is that TJ Finley impressed and Zach Calzada impressed. Both had good things. Both had some things to work on, but maybe there's not as much separation between those two as people may have thought. The next scrimmage for Auburn is Friday night, this upcoming Friday. I think we're going to see some more separation from those two from everybody else because right now, all the quarterbacks are getting about the same equal reps, but there's only so many reps to go around, and there's only so many more days of practice. So I think you're going to see some separation between Calzada and Finley from everybody else, and then you'll see the separation between those two. You may even see it from those guys. But question of the day, Carter, your first one here on On the Line, does it concern you that there is no apparent separation at the QB position right now? I mean, it doesn't concern me from the aspect that it's still – early in camp I mean we've seen we haven't even seen it but there's only been one scrimmage and so you can't expect and when you have a true quarterback battle to have it settled after one scrimmage now it it did sound like TJ of the three maybe looked the best which maybe you would like to see hear a little more rah-rah positivity about Calzada and maybe that comes with this second scrimmage but We've seen Brian Harson go into seasons not even with a quarterback battle settled and have guys play at a high level with Boise State. But um, 
So it doesn't worry me from that aspect. It's just I do think that after the second scrimmage, that's when you'll see two separate from three, and then you'll see the starter eventually separate from there, like 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 you said. Yeah, and that's something I've talked about is I don't think anybody expected a starter to be named after the first scrimmage. That's not normally something that happens unless there's no QB battle, right? I think for Auburn, the thing I've talked about is after that second scrimmage, that's where you want to see that separation. Mm -hmm. That is where you want to see a starter named, in my opinion. But with a quarterback battle that may be a little bit tighter between Calzada and Finley that we once thought it was, maybe it takes a little bit longer, but something that I have been very, very adamant about is we're 19 days away from Auburn starting the season. You do not need to wait 19 days to name this starting quarterback. This needs to be made a week and a half or two weeks before, but man, we're running out of time for that. Well, where I will push back against that is you do open the season against Mercer. Right. So, so... There's a little bit of a ease into it where where if it's truly neck and neck and the t- the the team around it hasn't made it apparent which guy they're they're following which guy is the leader mm-hmm. then you you can a little bit ease into that first game because it'll be a couple weeks before you need somebody ready to go in a big spot now you would like you would like to very much have the starter named, obviously. Right. But but does it not concern you though? If you're going into the Mercer game and you're trying to decide between Zach Calzada and TJ Finley, does that not concern you about the quarterback position moving on through the season if you still can't name a starter by week one? It would concern me from a fan perspective, but I but I I think everything we know about Brian Harson is Brian Harson's gonna do Brian Harson's plan. You're right about that. And so if if he views that this is what he has to do to for this team to be successful, you have to trust trust the guy and his and if anything, I mean I I love the mindset that he seems to have right now, which is I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna prove people wrong, and he's he's starting to really win me win me back over after the uh, not so great finish to last season. Yeah, look, man, there's there's a lot to be questioned here, and the quarterback battle, it's still a battle. There's no doubt about it. What do you think? 334-321-1390, that's the number to put you through to us. Does it concern you that there is no apparent separation at the quarterback position right now? And also, if Auburn goes into the Mercer game in 19 days, does it concern you if there is still no definite starter? Those are the questions. 334-321-1390. For me, in my mindset was, I want the starter to be named a week or two in advance. That way, the team knows who the starter is and that guy gets all of the first team reps that guy gets all of the of the bonding with the first team they get that week or two of practice no you don't have to worry about Mercer no you don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about week two but treat this thing like you're playing Oregon for the first game treat this thing like you're playing that Penn State game at first because you want to be prepared for that and I just think from my perspective and my mindset is I want the team to be practicing with QB1 as much as possible and as early as possible in fall camp. I, I absolutely agree there. And and in a perfect world, yes, you, you, you want it nailed down. But I don't think my, – my whole thing is I don't think it's a – it's the end of the world. If you see two guys against Mercer 
in the first half. Which is very possible. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying, like, Auburn's up by 45 and then the second guy comes in. I'm saying if you see both in the first half, it's not the end of the world. But, yes, you absolutely want your starter. You you would love to have everybody pulling in the same direction. This is the guy. This is the guy we're going to war with. Let's go out there and let's let's win games. Let's let's make plays. Let's make plays in the passing game consistently, which which we've seen out of out of Bonex previously. The games where he was on, it was awesome, and you could you could feel the momentum. But then there was. What I want out of the quarterback is I just want more consistency from game to game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that potentially the two guys that everybody has in mind in TJ Finley and Zach Calzada can both give you a more consistent week-to-week uh, performance. And I think Robbie Ashford is going to end up being the third guy in my mind. But I think he's the long play. He's a guy who's still doesn't have the experience and – it's likely going to go to the two guys with experience, but Robbie Ashford's somebody with an enormous ceiling, but you haven't seen him in live action with, as they say, when the, when the bullets are flying, mm-hmm. so you don't know how he's going to react, but it's somebody that down the road could be the guy. Well, when you watch him in practice, you know, we've had limited media availability. You can see you can see the upside to him. Mm-hmm. We've seen some we've seen some of the, the struggles, but you've seen the upsides of Robbie Ashford. Look, the quarterback battles up for grabs. There's no doubt about it. That's something about Auburn. We're gonna talk about Alabama with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Well, as we always do on Monday afternoons, we've got Joey Blackwell from Bama Central here on On the Line. Joey, we've been talking about Auburn football scrimmage from Saturday, but we weren't the only ones that had a scrimmage. Alabama did as well. What were some of your takeaways that uh, the media and Nick Saban told you from the scrimmage on Saturday? Yeah, you know, uh, we, obviously we in the media didn't get to actually see the practice in person or the scrimmage in person, but we did get to hear from him immediately after. Um, you know, as far as first scrimmages go, Saban seemed to be in a pretty positive mood about it. Uh, the one thing that really disappointed him was the energy. It seemed like the players came out with a lot of energy to start the practice, but as it went on, they kind of started to get drained, which that could speak towards, you know, mental conditioning, but also physical conditioning, which is something he said they need to work on. Um, he said, you know, with JoJo Earl now out with a broken foot for at least the next six to eight weeks or so. He said that the wide receivers were pretty inconsistent, so they needed some work there. Um, he did point out um, some great work by Kobe Prentice, who's one of the young guys. He said he stood out among uh, the players that kind of tried to step up in that uh, in that role. And then finally, on the offensive line, the final point that stood out to me was he said that the first string was looked to be much improved over last year. He did say that the second string was lackluster and definitely needed a lot of work, but uh, I'm sure a lot of Alabama fans would be happy to hear that Um, the first-string offensive line is looking improved compared to last year. And, Joey, talking about that offensive line, that's a big question mark for Alabama, not that they have many of them, but that is a big question mark for the Alabama Crimson Tide is that offensive line. Do you expect it to be better this year than it was last year? And if, if so, what guys are the reason for that? 
you know, I think uh, a big uh, there's going to be a little bit of a fall off this year. Just I mean, when, when you consider Evan Neal and just what he brought to the offensive line, uh, I think yeah, he's, his absence is going to be missed. But at the same time, you do have I think the lines be more fleshed out than it was last year. It's going to have more experience because you're going to have guys like Emil Echior. They're going to have more years under their belt now. You, you're bringing in some talented guys like J.C. Latham who's looking to be pretty solid. Uh, Seth McLaughlin so far seems to be doing really well at center. And, you know, Darian Dockport was obviously center for most of last year, but then Seth McLaughlin came in when Dockport was hurt and really played pretty well those, those last couple of games for Alabama. Um, so I, I think overall, you know, I, I think this offensive line will be better than last year, but at the same time, you know, it's still going to be a, a shadow of what it was in 2020 when, you know, that, that offensive line, you know, won the Joe Moore Award and was one of the best offensive lines that, Alabama's ever seen so um, but that being said I, I think we're in for a little bit of improvement compared to last season we're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line Joey the first scrimmage for Alabama's in the books the second scrimmage will be coming up what do you expect to hear different from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage from Nick Saban I'm not sure if you guys have access to it or not but what are you expecting to hear different from the first one to the second one well, you know the diff. You know, we first off, we won't be having access just like last time, unfortunately. But um, what I'd like to hear different, and what I expect to hear different, is Nick Saban always approaches the first scrimmage, and he'll tell you himself that he likes to take the first scrimmage as a way for players to kind of step back and self-assess. You know, kind of figure out where they stand, not just on the roster, but personally and and, and mentally and physically. And I think that you know, with that first scrimmage being the time to self-assess. The week in between those two scrimmages is when you need to try to work on your, your shortcomings if you're a player. And I think that that's what Saban's going to be looking out for. I think he's going to look for more consistency, a wide receiver. He's going to be looking at Robbie Youth at tight end and see uh, if he's made strides and, you know, kind of taking over from Cam Latu since Cam Latu, of course, is, is hurt right now. Um, I think he's going to be, look, you know, I think he's going to look at Eli Rick, defensive back, and, and see. You know, if he's, you know, finally learning the playbook and learning, you know, the, the scheme, which is something that apparently he's been struggling with, at least, you know, what we've heard through the grapevine. So I, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that you know, there's a very big difference between the first and second scrimmages. I think but most importantly, I'd like to hear um, what improvements these players have tweaked, you know, with their game heading into next week. Hey, Joey, this is Carter. Uh, you, you've been talking about the receivers, and after three or four straight years of just ridiculous like re- receiver play from from that room yeah what is a realistic expectation for that group in this 2022 season you know I, I think that you know heading into this year before the transfers before Jermaine Burton before Tyler Harrell um, I expected to see a drop off with these receivers I think it was going to be really tough following really tough to replace the the streaky quickness of Jamison Williams I thought that you know John Mechie was going to be a you know, he was obviously a really reliable mainstay for Bryce Young. But looking at it this year, with the addition of Jermaine Burton from Georgia, who didn't record a drop last season, the uh, the, the, fa- the quickness of Tyler Harrell to kind of come in and, and replace Williams. Um, you have Corey Brooks coming back. I think JoJo Earl will be missed early on, but whenever he's able to come back, um, I think he's going to be a, a solid contributor. I really don't see, uh, you know, on paper, I don't really see that much of a drop-off this year which is, of course, you know, just scary for college football as always. You know, you look at just these past five years that, the, you know, the phenomenal wide receivers, Devontae Smith comes to mind, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, um, and, and then, of course, you obviously have, you know, John Mechie and Javis Williams from last year and plenty of others that I'm sure I, I can't think of right now. 
Um, but, you know, these are just some really solid wide receivers, and Alabama really is kind of turning into a wide receiver U, but it's not just them. It's also the really, really talented quarterbacks Alabama's had this past half decade. We're speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, there's no quarterback battle going on in Tuscaloosa. You guys have your guy, but what has, or I guess, what has Nick Saban said about Bryce Young, and what have you seen from Bryce Young in the limited amount that you guys get to see a difference, anything from year his last year to this year for Bryce Young at the quarterback position? You know, what I've seen from Young this year is, you know, he's always been, you know, a calm, collected individual, but... I think he's also been very focused, but I think that even more so this year, he's added a lot of motivation. You know, last year he had to prove that to not just himself, but also the country that he could take over from Mac Jones and, and Tua Tonga-Valoa and the likes of those solid quarterbacks and go toe-to-toe. And we saw him win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, and, but, you know, this past offseason, what we've heard from him most is last season – doesn't really matter to him. Even winning the Heisman doesn't really matter to him because in the end of the day, there was that fourth quarter against Georgia where Alabama fell short and lost the national championship game. I think this season we're seeing a Bryce Young that is much more motivated, that is much more driven. And not to say that he wasn't last season, but now, you know, take those, multiply those by a factor of 10, and that's what we've got now. And there's really no, no, no ceiling to what he can achieve. Um, in, you know, compared to last season, there really is you know no limit. I think he's going to be fantastic. And Joey, does that go into the the leadership difference from in this year from last year? That's something I know you've talked about a lot, and Saban has talked about a lot as well. Just the difference in leadership between this year and last year on some of the veteran players on this team. Yeah, I, I think it is. You know, I think that not only has Bryce grown or Will Anderson has grown, but I think the team as a whole has. You know, we've one of you know I've mentioned on your show before about how one of the things that Nick Saban griped and complained about the most last year was the leadership and the lackadaisical kind of almost you know uh, 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 I'm, I'm blanking on the word I'm trying to think of, but apathetic, the apathy on the team last year, and this year I think that's all but gone. You know, we've heard nothing but positive things from not just the team's leadership, but the players that are beneath that leadership that are having to follow from the older guys, and I think that while Bryce, you know. I had to develop last year being a first-year starter last year. I think now he's fully settled into that role and has really kind of taken like, like a duck to water uh, when it comes to you know serving in a leadership position. We've got Joey Blackwell on the phone from Bama Central here on On the Line. Some news coming out of the SEC and a big SEC West rival. LSU quarterback uh, competition still up for grabs as uh, Miles Brennan has stepped away from the game of football for LSU. Their quarterback battle is completely up in the air. How does that all impact Alabama this season? You know, I, I think that, I mean, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it affects Alabama. It affects Alabama that much. But that being said, with Brian Kelly now down at LSU, you know, there were going to be a lot more eyes on that game than there have been over the past couple of at least you know at least last season um i think that miles moving on is you know obviously maybe he felt that he didn't fit into bill uh, not bill o'brien into brian kelly's system as well down there and you know more power to him and hopefully he finds a another solid place for him to go but you know in the grand scheme of things i don't really think it affects Alabama that much um you know yeah if you were to ask nick saban or ask any players about the lsu game they would just say that all they're focused on is Utah State. You know, that game is a long way until the usually the first Saturday in November. 
Well, Joey, look, I, I don't – with LSU, you know, he said he was stepping away from football because he didn't get the starting position. Not sure if it was because of football, if there's personal reasons, whatever it may be, but there's no doubt that the Alabama-LSU game has become one of the biggest in all of college football. It gets the CBS uh, 8 o'clock, the primetime slot on CBS, which will no longer be on CBS in just a couple of years, but uh, some news there coming out of Baton Rouge and some news today around college football. The preseason season top 25 in the AP poll has been released and to nobody's surprise it seems like it's a a tradition at this point Alabama is ranked number one yet again in the AP preseason top 25 poll your takeaways yeah you know it makes it just continues the streak Alabama has now been ranked number one for at least a week in every season since 2008 you know so it it goes, goes back to the success Nick Saban's had at Alabama no, like you said, no surprise here. You know, I uh, Alabama being number one, Ohio State being number two, I, I think is interesting. Um, it, I think it's also interesting seeing Texas A&M at six. Uh, Michigan at eight is also a surprise. But, you know, I was glad to see, like, you know, we talk, kind of talked about last week, I was glad to see Auburn get some love with 15, with 15 points uh, in the rankings. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out for them, if they can, you know, maybe jump a couple of, spots in those first few weeks of the season but you know like you said no surprise Alabama being number one um but you know Alabama has a has a lot of tough games on the schedule this year so we'll see how long they can hold up and of course you talk about with Alabama opening the season in week two they got to go to Texas and you know Texas in some polls has gotten a lot of love but in some polls they haven't gotten a lot of love uh what are you thinking about Texas right now uh in the eyes of the media yeah you know I think Texas is is right where they need to be in terms of you know, eyes of the media. This is a team that really hasn't proven themselves um, under Steve Sarkeesian. They've proven that they've gotten better. They've definitely improved. But as far as you know, proving that they're worth you know a top ten ranking or a top twenty five ranking, that is yet to be seen. And that kind of goes back to my point that I said last week. And I'm not really a believer in preseason polls. I think polls should come out a few weeks into the season after these teams have started to prove what they're made of and you know how, what they're going to look like. Um, but that being said, this is definitely going to be a, a solid Texas team. You know, uh, obviously there was the Ajay Hall news this past week. Um, he'll be out, you know, of course, transferred from Alabama, but he's had, had his own issues. But outside of that, you know, they have Jalil Billingsley at tight end. They have a solid quarterback and running back duo there. Um, I'm really excited to see what the Texas team can do. But that being said, that game is going to be a, a, a really big one. And, you know, you got to lean out, you know, lean it in Alabama's favor, but, it's still going to be a, a solid, you know, kind of, um, you know, um, um, emergence party should Texas, you know, really shake things up. Well, Joey, we appreciate your time as always coming on the show. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all the great work you're doing. Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports. BamaCentral.com is the URL. You'll find all of my work there as well as our editor, Christopher Walsh, and my co-writers, uh, Katie Windham and Mason Smith. All of our stuff is there. And we cover everything Alabama from rowing all the way up to football. And we also have some SEC news as well that can concern some Auburn fans. So keep on coming back and thank you for having me Jacob it's always a pleasure of course man we're 19 days away it's getting closer and closer by the minute we'll talk to you next week for some more updates from Alabama fall camp man I'll talk to you next week sounds good Jacob thank you that was Joey Blackwell of Bama Central here on the Monday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one with some Atlanta Braves talk. We'll talk about uh, the weekend for the Braves, what they got coming up on the schedule, and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. We'll wrap up the first hour in the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central coming on the Monday edition of On the Line. As usual, giving us everything going on in Tuscaloosa uh, from fall camp, fall practice, and the first scrimmage for Alabama over the weekend. So big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. But got a couple of more minutes here in hour number one. We'll talk some Atlanta Braves. Carter, you're a big baseball guy. You played a little bit coming up through school. And uh, what's your take on the Braves so far? We got to learn more about you, man, and learn about your what your uh, takes are on some of these teams. What about the Atlanta Braves so far this season? What do you think about it? You know, I mean, it, it, as almost what feels accustomed to recent Braves history, it took a little bit to get rolling this year. But really, the Michael Harris call up is the catalyst that just kicked them into gear. They've been so good, except for when they play the Mets. Except when they play the Mets. And and that's what (laughs) has me so worried about tonight is the fact that it's the Mets again. And it's, like last series, I was all excited going in, into it. That five-game set up in New York, I was like, "This is this is where the Braves make their make their ground and cut this thing down." And then you lose four out of five, and that's just right. that was the, such a gut punch. And then they rebounded well. We we should give them credit there that they they won the next six games. So they they put a bandaid on that on that. Massive really, wound. <laughs> really tough stretch in New York. Right. But I feel like every time I turn on a Braves game, sometimes, I mean, I try to watch every every inning I can, but every time I turn it on and it's in a big spot, Michael Harris is doing something awesome. And he's just, whether it be playing ridiculous defense with just insane range because he has so much speed, or like last night, first pitch of the of the top of the ninth, going opposite field 420 for a home run to tie the game and jumpstart that inning. And honestly, that inning should have been way worse than it was. If 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 Dansby doesn't get a bad dirt ball read, which in that in that spot. Right. I the guy can't hit the strike zone. I, I would just I would let him keep walking people and then you might have a you we might be talking about a six six one win rather than a three one win. But I mean they did win, so you can't complain too much. Exactly. Yeah, but, look, a win's a win, right? And you're looking at the last few games for the Atlanta Braves. Of course, like you said, coming off of that brutal series in New York, they take two straight games at Boston. Then they go to Miami. They sweep the series. They win all four games. They win Friday 4-3, to three, the doubleheader Saturday 5-2, to two, and then 6-2, to two, and then they win on uh, Sunday night, of course, 3-1. to one. This may be the toughest week of the schedule coming up this week. You've got four games against the Mets and then three games against the Astros. But the good thing for the Braves, you're at home all week long. You don't have to travel. You're sleeping in your own bed, all that good stuff. You're in your own ballpark. You've got four games against the Mets tonight, three games against the Astros over the weekend. If you had to make an early prediction right now for the Atlanta Braves in this seven-game stretch, what's their record this time next week? Gosh, uh... That's so hard to do because it's like the two best teams. It's two of the three best teams out there right now, especially with the the Yankees well, going on this crazy how a, skit. How about a better question? What do the Braves? What does the record need to be at the end of this seven game stretch? Maybe not a prediction, but it, what it, would be a, a a comfortable record through these seven games for you for the rest of the season for the Braves? Oh, I mean, four and three would be awesome. I mean, anything above five hundred with this seven game stretch is is 
exactly what you want coming out of this week. I mean, but it's it also if you come out of this and you're two and five or you're somewhere around there, I mean, it's disappointing because you are at home and, and I know you're playing two of the best three teams in baseball, but you at some point you're gonna run into these teams in the postseason. You have to actually win games against the really, really good teams in the league. Otherwise, I it's it it doesn't give me any faith going into the postseason at all. Yeah, and you look at these first four, obviously it's against the Mets, and these games mean that much more. You're five and a half games back of the Mets right now if you're the Atlanta Braves. You've got four straight games against the Mets. Your pitch, you're going to be playing against two of the best pitchers in baseball with Scherzer and DeGrom. Back-to-back nights, by the way, so it doesn't get any easier for the Braves. You're five and a half games back of the Mets. You've got to start making progress. You've made a little bit, not a whole lot, but you have made a little bit of progress. You've got to put a dent in it in these next four games. And then the Astros, I mean, take care of business i don't know what else to say if you can if you can split the the Mets series going up against those two guys because honestly barring injury for for degrom i just i don't see a way that you beat him because i and and this is my take that i think he's the most most naturally gifted pitcher ever because the guy can hit 101 102 and then he's going to throw you a 96 mile an hour slider which should be illegal yeah, uh, he's unbelievable. And the fact that the Braves have to play him and Scherzer back-to-back, it seems unfair, man. It really does. The Braves, they got a tough stretch coming up this week. Hour number one officially in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. Stay tuned. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man Jacob Goins here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. The big announcement from hour number one, in case you were not here, I've got a co-host, Carter Bird, joining me in studio. His first day, hour number one, is officially in the books. Hour number two, officially underway here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. It's me and Carter, all of hour number two from three to four. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. Let's head to those phone lines as we've got Terry on line one. Welcome in, man. Guys, how y'all doing today? We're doing great. How doing are you? All right, Terry. Been fantastic. Um, let me kind of uh, explain a little bit to where all this cynical nature of the uh, T.J. Finley is coming from, because I'm just, I'm just as bad, or just, I think I'm correct, but just as bad, whatever. Um, the, the kid has proven nothing on the field. Um, and for whatever reason, and I don't know the reason, and you guys don't know the reason, nobody knows the reason, for some reason, when he gets in front of millions of eyes, and the lights go on, and everything is set in place, he falls apart. I think he's a practice player. A little like Tarzan, play like Jane. I'm sure you guys have heard that expression. 
Yes. I think that is all TJ Finley. I don't think I think Auburn's a three and nine or four and eighteen with him. I just he's going to have to do something between the lines on the field during game time to to win me over. That's just I don't care how good he does in practice. Yeah, you know, Terry practice doesn't mean a thing. I I kind of agree with you, and I'm I'm not saying that he's bad, but what we've seen on the field from him during the games, I mean, Auburn didn't win a game down the stretch last year, right? I mean, we lost the Iron right, Bowl because exactly. we couldn't score, and and lost the bowl game because you couldn't score. So. I agree. T.J. Finley's got to show me something on the field, but what we're hearing in practice, he's looking good, right? But I see where you're coming from on you got to see it in the game, but until he gets in the game and is either the starter or comes in as a backup, we're not going to know. Exactly, and I just don't – I know there's some Auburn fans out there that see things through orange and blue glasses, and I'm a long way from that. Jacob, you know that. Yes, sir, I do. I don't mind being a little critical if I have to be, but that's not criticism. That's realism. The guy's got to prove something to you in the game. I don't care if he puts on an Auburn uniform or Alabama uniform, Georgia, LSU, whomever. Don't care. No, I mean, He has not proven anything in Auburn or LSU uniform to this point. He has proven that he is a 3-9 and nine or three or 4-8 and eight quarterback because that's what he is. And until he gets on the field and proves otherwise, that's what people like myself and Ed and other callers were going to say. And until that happens, you know what? We're going to be right. And that, a lot of people don't like that, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, I'm um, – I'm I'm with you that I think that it's one of those things that I have to see it to believe it. But mm-hmm. I I am I am curious just because uh, you you talk about showing it on the field, and I know last year it was against Georgia State when he came in in relief mm-hmm. after when the offense was sputtering that whole game. Right in that moment, did did was there a moment where you felt like maybe there was something there? It, for that, at least however long it was until we we saw him finish out the uh, season? For that time. Okay. And I think the timing was the key to that. And he had a great game against South Carolina in an LSU uniform, correct? He did. He did, yes. He didn't have a very good game against South Carolina in Auburn uniform. That's fair. So <laughs> that, that's my that, – yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my point. I mean, it doesn't matter if people bring that up and yeah, I don't care if you look the orange and blue glasses or not. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and and, t- and if Auburn is content to finish strong in defense and run the football they're looking. Brian Harson better start renting a truck now to move because that's where he's going to be going. Well, we're going to find out soon enough, Terry. We're 19 days away. Look, I think the starter's going to be named soon, and I think after the scrimmage this Friday, we're going to see separation at whatever it may be, whoever it may be in the quarterback room. Terry, it's great to hear from you, man. Have a great day. They take care, guys. That was Terry to start us off hour number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Call in, be a part of the show, be on the line. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. If you missed any of hour number one, we talked to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, uh, got all things, uh, some information about everything going on over in Tuscaloosa. So if you missed that or any other part of hour number one, be sure and go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or go to espnau.com that's espnau.com click on the podcast center and you'll find it right there Uh, i will upload that immediately following today's show commercial free so make sure you go and find that if you missed any of hour number one here in hour number two we're going to talk to jacob hillman from the auburn sports network like we always do on monday afternoons we'll get his take on the Auburn football scrimmage from Saturday, plus everything else going 
on around Auburn football and Auburn athletics as we are getting ready for fall sports to kick off. Auburn starts school tomorrow. Auburn University does. So fall sports are among us. So we'll talk to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network at 3.30. But Carter, let's start hour number two like I always do and now like we always do with making headlines here on Monday, August 15th, 2022. And the big one right now is Auburn had their first scrimmage on Saturday. Of course, it was closed off to the media, but we've been uh, you know, hearing things from Brian Harson when he spoke after the scrimmage. We read things, obviously, from what was said. Your takeaways so far from Auburn's football scrimmage on Saturday. Well, I mean, it truly sounds like it's, the as we keep talking about, this quarterback battle is truly wide open. Perhaps that... that the way that I I saw some people listing it as Finley, Ashford, Calzada in that order of how they played on Saturday is a little a little worrying maybe uh, just because there was so much that I was starting to really buy in on Zach Calzada. I listened to some national like quarterback guys talk about how when you really dug into Calzada's film last year from that Alabama game on, which which look. The Alabama game is was last year was an out of body experience for Calzada to that point because to that point he legitimately had been bad, inaccurate. I didn't believe in him. I didn't believe in him when he came into Auburn. But what he showed you over the back half of the year is that he's a capable SEC quarterback. He's tough as nails. You saw you saw him get his shoulder popped out against Auburn and go to the sidelines, they popped it back in and he still won the game. I mean, you, you know he's tough. You know he can compete. And I just remember hearing about how the film from Alabama on was a lot stronger than he got credit for. And so I was starting to buy in. Maybe the second scrimmage is where you see him really get back to the that top competition with TJ Finley. And that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. The other thing is, I'm pretty excited about the DBs room because I feel like you would hear nothing but positive things about that that DBs room right now. Yeah, when I went to practice last week, I think it was Friday, maybe Thursday or Friday, the day that I went and got the the 25-30 minute viewing window for practice. That's who I watched a ton of was the DBs. There's so much talent and there's just Again, talent is the big word here, not just in the defensive backs, but the entire team for Auburn. There's so much talent on this team right now that people don't realize. Now, there's not a ton of depth on the defensive side of the football. That is a big, big concern depth-wise. Linebacker and edge works. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Linebackers and edge, there's really some some thin rooms over there. But the starters are just so, so good. There's a lot of talent, and that's my big takeaway right now. Of course, the quarterback battle, we're trying to figure out who's going to be starting in 19 days when Auburn takes the field against Mercer. Are we going to know by that time? Are they going to name a starter before we get there? Is that something they just can't make a decision on? And maybe we see multiple quarterbacks during the Mercer game, and maybe we see a different starter in game two than we see in game one. Those are still question marks that Mm -hmm. we have after Saturday. Of course, Auburn's second scrimmage as this Friday night I think we're going to see a little bit separation from what it's probably going to be is Zach Calzada and TJ Finley and then everybody else in the quarterback room I think that's probably what we're going to see we don't want to forget and discount Robbie Ashford I just don't think he's there yet yeah I I think in that aspect the experience factor is going to you're going to trust the guys 
who have done it at the SEC level. Robbie Ashford hasn't taken a snap in a live college game yet. And I think that that's while I think that you can build packages for Robbie Ashford because he has a skill set that the other two don't. Which we might see. Yes, and I, and I, I think that is going to be where you see this coaching staff potentially kind of dip Robbie Ashford's toe in the water, get him a little bit of experience of, like I said earlier, when the bullets are flying, and then you can build on that going forward. Because if you're asking me right now, I think Robbie Ashford probably has the highest ceiling of these three. But it's a matter of you can't have the highest ceiling and the highest floor when we don't know what you do in live action. Whereas Calzada, the ceiling may not be Bo Nix high, but the floor may not be Bo Nix low. And so maybe you can get, if you can get a Bo Nix that's got a higher floor, and may, he may not go out and win you a game like Bo Nix did last year, but he may not go out and throw a bunch of incomplete passes and interceptions and lose a game too. And that's, I, I want consistency. Out of that's the word position. it comes back to right there is consistency. And I think that's what you get. And up to this point, that's what I thought you were going to be getting out of Zach Calzada. And for anybody that listens to this show, you know I have been 100% <laughs> dead set committed that Zach Calzada will be the starting quarterback on this football team. I still think that's the case. Okay, I still think that Zach Calzada will be the starter in 19 days when Auburn trots on the field against Mercer. I still think he's the better guy. I still think he's the better quarterback. He's the better guy for the job. He gives Auburn the best chance to win. Out of the guys in the room right now, Zach Calzada gives you the best chance to win football games. I think that is what's going to happen, but it does worry me just a little bit that there is no more separation. That's sort of what we're going to talk yeah. about in just a little bit. Moving on here and making headlines, we will come back to this, I promise. The preseason AP Top 25 poll was released today for college football. No shocker, Alabama was at number one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four, and Notre Dame five, Texas A&M six, Utah seven. Uh, rounding out the top ten is Michigan, Oklahoma, and Baylor Look, it's a preseason top 25 poll. You can't buy into it a ton, but it is rankings, and we're getting closer to college football. Your break or uh, your takeaways from the top 25 preseason poll. So when I look at this top four, not a shock at all. I mean, it's it's the 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 usual suspects there to to be honest. And Alabama one, Ohio State two is exactly how I'd put it. Granted. Personally, I believe Ohio State's going to win the championship this year. That's oh, just, I think okay. it's... Already coming in with a hot take. All right. I'm I'm in that boat. Or and a then, prediction. <laughs> yes. Uh, this this Notre Dame team is really strong. I'm I'm interested to see how A&M and Notre Dame in that 5-6 slot really plays out. I'm surprised that, that Utah's that high, just because I just don't feel like the Pac-12 gets that much respect. Now, this Utah team is going to be awesome. They're going to go in the swamp, and they are going to what Utah did to Oregon twice in three weeks to end the season last year of just smash mouth, shove it down your throat, football, running the ball. That's what you're going to see with in the swamp against Florida, a Florida team that I think is going to struggle this year. Um, the other takeaway is I I can't decide if if Darren Haynes. Notice something that we all that everybody else doesn't know, because Auburn appeared on one ballot in the top twenty-five, and Darren Haynes had had Auburn eleventh. 
Yeah, that's has- just that's just wrong. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's just wrong. There's, maybe he I, you, has some really well placed sources and knows this Auburn team is just going to be incredible. Maybe, or maybe there's a secret guy on the roster that nobody knows about. That's just another Cam Newton or something. I'm not sure. That's just. Out, that's way out of left field but looking up and down the rest of this top 25 on the AP poll preseason rankings of course the SEC representation Alabama one uh, Georgia three Texas A&M at seven uh, you have the future SEC team at Oklahoma they are sitting at nine uh, you have Arkansas at 19 Kentucky at 20 Ole Miss at 21 so some decent SEC representation uh, near the bottom half of the top 25. Yeah, and then even when you look in the others receiving votes, you see Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Florida, Mississippi State all in that boat. I don't agree with the fact that LSU is ahead of Mississippi State and Auburn because I think if you take logos and helmets away, I really believe LSU is the worst team in the West. Do you think they got the votes because maybe a hype around Brian Kelly? Yes, and 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 it's a brand factor that what we're there, we're two and a half years r- removed from a national championship with LSU. Yeah, I mean, they I were, think LSU's going to be they, they good were a this preseason year. top ten team two years ago after they won the championship, and yeah. they were horrible, and then they were bad again 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 last year. I do not think that they are worthy of being ahead of a team like just even quarterback perspective. Will Rogers like State has the better quarterback. And I just don't believe in that LSU team. They had, what, 38 scholarship players going in their bowl game last yeah, year? Yeah, something like that. And There's now, so much turnover. I just right. I don't see that team bouncing back in year one. Could Brian Kelly figure it out? Maybe. I don't think he's a culture fit by any capacity there, and I think that that is – talk to me in four years, and we'll, <laughs> and we'll, and we'll see if Brian Kelly right. still has that job. Yeah. But – Right now, if you if everybody's just wearing blank uniforms and you looked at the rosters, I think LSU is the worst team in the West. That's just my opinion. And they very well could be. I you know, we're gonna find out. I think there's talent on this LSU team. I think there's a lot of talent on this LSU team. And I think Brian Kelly's a fantastic head coach. Is it all going to mesh? Is it all going yeah, to come together? That's there's the so big much question. Turnover, so exactly. much changeover. Yeah. I mean, you you lose guys like Eli Ricks. I mean you lose a quarterback today. We're going to talk about that also with with Miles Brennan stepping away from the game of football uh, after not receiving the starting job for LSU. There is no starter named yet, but he was told he would not be the starter. Mm-hmm. And so Miles Brennan, the the 17th year senior, has <laughs> officially stepped away from the game of football. He was actually going in what his sixth year, I think, as a senior. He was the yeah. fifth or sixth one of those. He's been there for a long time, and he has a lot of experience. But they told when, him when he was on the field, he was pretty good. Yeah, and they told him today he would not be the starter. He has stepped away from the game of football. So add that into LSU. You just don't know what you're going to get. By the, by the way, I have one more hot take about the uh, okay. others. Others receiving votes nebraska received one vote nebraska's opening this season seven and one seven and one seven and one okay and um, write it down write that down because i want to come back ni- they were they were <laughs> probably the best three and nine team of all time last yeah. year which is hilarious to say but like they're gonna be solid like, again talk about a team of talent you got they, nebraska they i think they have 15 transfers that came in and 10 of them are in in a position to start this year which that is how you adequately and properly leverage the transfer portal to supplement your roster. And they're going to be good. And they open the season August 27th in Dublin, Ireland against 
Northwestern. Yeah, against Northwestern. That's up in uh, your neck of the woods. You went to Northwestern. <laughs> you do the Locked On Northwestern podcast. You know a little bit about what's going on there. Uh, that's what we got for making headlines. A lot of Auburn football talk, talking about the AP Top 25 and the news of LSU's quarterback, Miles Brennan, stepping away from the game to uh, do something else. Not sure if he'll play football again. He was uh, informed he would not be the starter, so he has officially stepped away from the game of football. When we come back, we'll have question of the day. We're off and running here. Here in hour number two on this Monday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. More of On the Line question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. Our new intern, McKenzie, waiting on your phone calls very, very patiently over there. So give her a call. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. That's the number to put you through to us. Question of the day. Carter, we talked about it a little bit in hour number one. We're going to talk about it some more because this is the big topic around Auburn football right now. Does it concern you that there is no apparent separation at the quarterback position right now? You know, yeah, it's 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 what we've continued to harp on that not yet, not yet because it's just one scrimmage. And we we don't get to see the full practice every day. So one scrimmage may, may not paint the whole the whole picture here, or at least and the media doesn't even get to see that first scrimmage. Now this second scrimmage is going to but by the time that one wraps up, we should have a pretty decent idea at least who the final two are, which we already have an idea of who we think it's going to be. But you should at that point have, there should be some distance between those two. Now, as I said in the first hour, I don't think it's the end of the world. If it's truly neck and neck, if you see both guys of the final two in that first game against Mercer, because it is Mercer, and it's you can almost treat it as a, tune-up game for the rest of the year but I'm not concerned yet I would start to have worry if we're in the exact same position a week from today and going into that Mercer game so let's play the what if game right if we're going into that Mercer game and there truly is a neck-and-neck competition between Calzada and TJ Finley and they're still trying to figure out who that starter is right are you confident in either one of these guys as of right now with Zach Calzada and TJ Finley, no matter who the starter is named, are you confident in either one of these guys being the starter and leading Auburn through this tough schedule? If you're asking me, I'm, I'm, I believe in Calzada because I think, I think no matter what we see out of Calzada in practice and in these scrimmages, there's a little bit of gamerness. It, it, that may not even be a word, but it I'm, is making, now. I'm making it a word. There's, he has a little bit of that gamer in him. I mean, he didn't win the job at A&M last year, and he didn't look good in his first few starts, but he was also like kind of thrown in there due to injury to Haynes King and hadn't gotten his feet wet. And then you almost had, he has this out-of-body experience against Alabama where he goes nuts. And, and you, you've seen him. He's a tough guy. He competes. And he wants to win, and 
he's going to do everything he can. I mean, we we saw him, like I said before, we, we, we saw him get his shoulder popped out against Auburn, come to the sideline, they pop it in, and he comes right back in the game and finishes that drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's that the mentality, if nothing else, that I want out of the starting quarterback if I'm, the, if I'm the head coach. Well, successful players in college football, college athletics, athletics in general, there's a different side of them in practice and what you mm-hmm. see in the games. I mean, you, you turn it on a little bit more in the game, but right now when you have a quarterback battle in practice – you got to turn it on and you got to be the best man because if you're not the best guy in practice, you can't be the best guy in the game because you got to win the starting job before you take the field. Yeah, and you know, it's what we've seen out of TJ and Calzada to this point. It kind of echoes the point that Terry was making on the phone earlier that no matter what they do in practice, when live bullets are going in game, We've seen, like, we, we've heard TJ has been so good in practice in the past, and it's over the full body of work underwhelmed in-game. And maybe that's because you're all of a sudden you're live, and, and the pressure is real. You're under the lights. The pressure, literally and figuratively, like, you can be tackled, you can be sacked, as we, I mean, he got sacked a, what felt like 100 times in the Iron Bowl, but, and he had an injured foot, so that's part of it. But Calzada, on the other hand, he I feel like he has elevated his game in game moments, and that's what that's what I would bank on, and that's and that's part of why we keep saying this isn't the year for Robbie Ashford, just because you truly don't know what you're gonna get when in live action, and I think that's why if you build a package and you ease him in, you let him see live action you let him run the ball some you give him some packages to throw out of then next year if all these three guys are still in the conversation it might it might be Robbie Ashford's time to shine even though all everybody could in theory be back it could be and uh, I'll tell you what a guy that's impressed me in the limited practice that I've seen Holden Gariner I mean he is oh, yeah. he's really really impressed he throws a really good football obviously he's stupid he's super young uh he's not even in the running. I don't think he expected that. They've told him that as well. Look, he's not in the running this year. I don't think Robbie Ashford's in the running right now. I do think it is Calzada and Finley. I think that separation has already sort of been made, maybe in their minds, maybe not on the field in practice, Agreed. but in their minds. I think after Friday night in the scrimmage. I mean, if you if you look at the at the scrimmage notes, wherever you looked, it definitely seemed like Calzada and Finley got more run with the ones than Ashford did. And I think that's expected at yes. this point. So what I'm saying is after Friday night, the next scrimmage is Friday night for Auburn University, I think you want to see the separation between Calzada and Finley. Whoever it may be, whether it's Calzada separating from Finley or whether it's Finley separating from Calzada, after Friday, we got to start seeing some separation in this quarterback battle. Stay tuned. We got 30 more minutes on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network is coming up. Stay tuned. You are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader on the line. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Well, as always on this Monday afternoon, we have Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Hillman, first of all, look, I know you know me, and now I know that you know Carter. You know us both, brother. How are you? I'm good, and it's going to be good to talk to Carter as well as you, as always, Jacob. Yeah, well, we're all linked together with our uh, degrees from Auburn and working with Weagle, the student radio station. Uh, it's a great, great thing over at Auburn that we all were a part of. So let's get into what we're all here to do, talk about Auburn and talk about Auburn football specifically as they had their first scrimmage on Saturday. Obviously, it was not open to the media, but afterwards we heard Harson speak about it he said a lot of things but what's something that uh, stood out to you from the scrimmage for Auburn football on Saturday yeah I think a lot of it has to do with obviously the quarterbacks how he kind of you know organized that order that he uh, gave praise to he gave praise to each quarterback but it seemed like there was a little bit more for TJ Finley than there was for Robbie Ashford than there was for Zach Calzada um, he spoke specifically to Finley's uh, long drive that resulted in a touchdown and then uh, Robbie Ashford and that he's just young and He's still figuring things out, but there's positives. And then uh, Zach Calzada had his uh, touchdown pass to John Samuel Shanker in that scrimmage, but that's all he really said about Calzada. So uh, it's interesting to see how he's kind of uh, gone about talking about these quarterbacks. All the positives, but we'll have to see. Uh, he also mentioned that there's separation between these guys. So we'll be, we'll be seeing sooner rather than later uh, kind of what the pecking order is going to look like. Yes, yeah, so you mentioned T.J. Finley's drive that ended in a touchdown. And I believe it went to maybe the most talked about player in this fall camp in Camden Brown. Do you see him stepping up as the guy in his freshman year to, to open this season as in, in that receiver's room? I'm not sure how early on, but I think it could result in that at some point this season. I think he's still he's still got a little ways to go before he is that guy. But I mean, everyone saw the touchdown pass to him; it leaked on social media. And I mean, he was in the back of the end zone and toe tapped that thing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, reeled in for a touchdown. So I really like what he's shown, and obviously we've seen him be the offensive player of the day, the playmaker of the day at practice throughout camp. So. I really expect him to do big things in his freshman year. And, I mean, he's he's been playing with the ones, the twos, and the threes. So he's been all over the well, place. Yeah, he had, he had uh, one day with, with the uh, the uh, newcomers practice that they do for right. the first few. And then they said, you can go practice with with, with the vets, which is exactly. impressive. <laughs> so I, I think that that's a good thing as well, just to be uh, playing with all these different groups so that you know how these teammates play with different guys, whereas, you know, I mean, it's a little bit different for those veterans who, who've been playing with their their guys the entirety of camp. So I'm excited to see what Cam Brown does, and I think that he has a chance to be that guy. I don't think it'll be early on, but maybe later in the season he could be it. And Hillman, on top of Camden Brown, just the wide receiver room in general, we're starting to hear some positives come out of this room. Again, there's a huge question mark on what the wide receivers are going to be. I think a big part of it, maybe all of it, is because of Ike Hilliard at the wide receiver coach. Uh, What are your thoughts on this wide receiver room as it stands right now? And then what are you expecting to hear in the next scrimmage about the wide receivers? Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things where some of the guys that you expect to be up there – uh, Javarius Johnson and Shedrick Jackson, they're, they're, they're kind of doing their thing. You're hearing about them. Coy Moore, the transfer from LSU, he's also playing well. Um, other guys that uh, Coach Harson mentioned 
uh, before this scrimmage in his first press conference, Tavares Dawson Jr., a chick, he's, he's going to be a good player. He's uh, he's really shining, and he's getting some first-team reps as well. Malcolm Johnson Jr., he's getting first-team reps, and uh, it's mostly with the second team. But he, he, it's still really good to see those kind of guys get out there. What I want to see is, is someone with some, with some size get out there at wide receiver because those are all smaller guys. Uh, really, Cam Brown and Shed Jackson are your guys that are the biggest that have been getting those first-team reps consistently. So it'll be interesting to see um, if a guy like Capers or, or Landon King can get out there and really show their talent and find their way into the rotation. But for now, those, those, those are the kind of the guys that have been performing in camp and were the guys shining in the scrimmage. So um, I think the tight ends are also important. We, I think it's fair to group them with the receiving room because of how much they're going to get the ball this year. Um, Tyler Fromm had some catches, and then obviously Shanker had the touchdown from Calzada in the scrimmage, but uh, Luke Deal and Brandon Frazier, they're getting a bunch of packages as well. They're more so in the run game, but uh, they, they've got all the talent in the world in that tight end room. We're speaking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line, talking about the running back room a little bit. The thing we've been hearing from the coaches is that Tank Bigsby has taken the next step up. I don't know. Again, I don't know how that's possible, but he has taken that next step up, and they say he's even better this year than he was last year. We know Jarquez Hunter has had a solid fall. We know he could be a starter just about anywhere around the Southeastern Conference. But Damari Austin has got a lot of praise so far through fall camp. What can he bring to this uh, this running back room uh, this season for Auburn? Yeah, I definitely think that's the most intriguing uh, battle in the running back room. I think that third string running back position is going to be a really interesting thing to watch because Sean Jackson, Jordan Ingram, they've been here for a year. And I think Jackson was the one that was kind of taking the upper hand on that. But now Alston, he, he's come in and he's a good pass catcher. And he really, uh, he scored a touchdown in the scrimmage and it, it was a good one. So I, I really think that he has kind of solidified himself inside that battle where he might take that third string running back spot up. Uh, because, you know, we know what we're getting with Tank Bigsby, even even though the coaches are saying that he's better. And I think there's a chance that he is, mainly because he's taken on kind of a leadership role that uh, maybe he didn't quite feel comfortable doing in his past years. And then uh, Hunter, he's just such a he's such a talent that uh, we know that after a year under the um, – a year in college, he's going to be even better. So having Austin really kind of step up and show that he's ready for prime time that, that is such a big deal because I think that you, you always are going to have uh, your running backs get uh, bumped up and bruised up and whatnot throughout the season. So it's nice to have that third option, and that way it takes a little bit of the load off these guys, uh, especially in these early – these first two games I think are going to be critical for, uh, for, something, for someone like that, for Austin, because you're hoping to get out to a big lead and then let him – kind of take over and do his thing and maybe prove himself as that thirsting running back so i'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and also like i said he's a good pass catcher so Mm -hmm. we'll see if he has any kind of packages throughout the season where he's out there at receiver you know switching over to the other side of the ball a group that i feel like we've seen a lot of in in those in those categories of ball hawk defensive mvp position group that stood out the most is that db's group and Losing Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday, but then adding a lot of talent in guys like DJ James and Keontae Scott and J.D. Rim. What should be the expectations for this DBs group as we head into the 2022 season? So as far as the newcomers go that you mentioned, I think they're going to be kind of playing that backup role 
uh, behind your, your your usual suspects in the Amaya Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, and the safety. You're going to have Kaufman. You're going to have Zion Puckett. Um, so they're going to play a major role because obviously Pritchett and Simpson can't play every single down. And I, I really like what I've heard about James as, as well as Ren. I think that they are two guys that um, they, they know how to play cornerback. They know how to play kind of that Roger McCreary role where they're going to lock a guy down. Deontay Scott's going to have a role whether it's a cornerback or he might be uh, returning punts this year. So I think it'll be interesting to see that kind of playmaking ability from him. Um, another another secondary player that, I don't know, hasn't really been talked about a lot, but um, he played with the ones in the scrimmage, Caden Bridges. And Coach Harson talked about him a little bit and talked about his talent and that he's just, he's just going to have to learn the system and learn the defense and what college ball is all about. But it's interesting to see a freshman like that playing at safety kind of as Puckett and, uh, and Kaufman's backup. So I'm interested to see what the newcomers and what kind of role that they carve out uh, as the season starts because I, I just don't see them starting because Pritchett and Simpson, they, they have solidified themselves as the starting two cornerbacks. Um, obviously, the, the nickel position is, is a big one. So I'm interested to see what, um, what those guys do and how they're able to really work their way into the lineup. We've got Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network on the phone here on On the Line. Not every position group on the defense, but some for sure, uh, you know, talking about the edge position, for example, there's some really, really good talent on the front line, but then when you start getting into the depth, that's a big question mark. How does that impact Auburn this season, and how does it impact Auburn through the rest of fall camp? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because this is another one where I think there's there's plenty of names to go around and that you can – see as being guys that will contribute to that depth but it, it's who's who's going to be the one to step up we we know pretty much what the starting uh line is going to be you're going to have your Derek call you're going to have your colby wooden uh, uh marcus harris is going to be up there but it, it's behind that obviously and and jason jones jeffrey emba morris joseph those guys are really really good they, they're going to plug up the middle really well uh, i think there was a play in the scrimmage uh, where it was a third down and short and they ran tank up the middle and well, Jason Jones was in the way, and that it didn't work out. He lost a couple yards just because he had to bounce it outside, and uh, Jason Jones really caused that to happen. So I- I'm excited to see what the middle looks like because of your because of those two guys like Jason Jones and Jeffrey Emba. And my goodness, Emba just looks just like Derek Brown out there wearing the number five. It's so fun to see. Um, so I'm excited to see what the depth looks like, and especially at the edge because uh, Leota and Derek all can't play every play. I want to see Dylan Brooks really uh, start to shine and, and really show himself because it feels like we we just never really heard about him during the season last year. We heard about him, obviously, flipping from Tennessee to Auburn, but last season you, you, there was nothing about him, so he's going to have to step up uh, to really get some playing time this year. At linebacker, we obviously know Owen Papo is back. A little banged up last year. We We hope he can stay healthy this season. But what does it look like around him in that linebacker room and lining up next to him? You hear a lot about a guy like Cam Riley. What should mm-hmm. we expect from that group? Well, yeah, you're exactly right. That Cam Riley has been the guy that's been talked about, and he has been really. I mean, I one 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 for one. I love the number change. I love going from the 35 to 13. I think it looks really good on him. But other than that, on the field, I think it something that he's playing a different role than Wesley Steiner. If you've seen Wesley Steiner lately, he is huge now. He's a lot bigger and in a good way. And it's, it's just something where I think that 
they might be rotating out in different ways that they uh, play linebacker. So I think Riley might end up being the starter, but he might get uh, Steiner might just get as many snaps as Riley. So I think that is the really critical position you're looking at on that defense is who is it going to be next to um, next to Papo? Is it going to be Riley or is it going to be Steiner? And I'm not sure it's going to matter because I think they might get an equal number of staffs and it'll just be how, how they play it and depending on the opponent, I think, as well. So I, I think, you know, Steiner might be better against the run than Riley is, but Riley, he might be really good uh, in pass coverage. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that and whether who starts matters or not because, like I said, the snap count might be equal. We're talking to Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. The second scrimmage for Auburn football is this Friday night, and I think a lot of people are expecting this quarterback competition, this quarterback race to be uh, to, to get some more information about this quarterback race mm-hmm. after Friday night. Do you expect to see more separation between Zach Calzada and TJ Finley after Friday night in this quarterback battle? Definitely more separation. I don't think we get a starter named or even anyone kind of eliminated. I think you, you just simply get probably more thoughts from Coach Harson and, and maybe Coach Keesaw as well about where they're kind of going with it. You might be able to put some clues together and figure it out, but I, I don't think we'll know exactly uh, what to expect. And there's, there'll obviously be another open practice the week after that end up with a whole week leading up. I think, I think the coaches will want to – maybe they'll do it internally, but – I think you want to know sooner rather than later. And um, we'll know more on Friday, but we won't know the answer, I believe. And Hillman, at this point, if you had to, if you had to put your, you know, put your guess on it, and I guess your confidence level in either Zach Calzada or TJ Finley, which direction do you think gives Auburn the better chance to win right now? It's hard to say because we've seen different things from both of those guys. Last year, we saw TJ Finley step in at the end of the season. Uh, on a really tough stretch because uh, he didn't expect to have to go play. And we saw him do what he did against Georgia State. He also got hurt at the end of the year. So it's just it's hard to say what you're going to get from him. And then Zach Calzada, he beat Alabama uh, at Texas A&M. So um, based off the past, there's not really one that I think has that chance. So um, I really like either of them. But I think T.J. Finley being with Coach Harson for a full year, I think that he might have that upper hand right now um and calzada coming off the injury in the spring i think that really hurt him and i think that that's kind of just kind of put him in the back a little bit but i think that both of them are kind of equal right now and we'll see if um we'll see if they can separate themselves this weekend well, Jacob, that's a great point that we haven't even mentioned was the experience with T.J. Finley in this offense versus Zach Calzada, who was injured in the spring and is really just now getting into it. Hillman, always great stuff from you, my friend. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing, man. Yep, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Uh, the Auburn sports season will be back up this Thursday. Auburn soccer hosting Old Dominion in the opener. So, hey, if you're around town, uh, it's free admission. Go, go check it out. Well, Jacob, we appreciate your time, man. We'll talk to you next week. War Eagle. Yep, War Eagle. That was Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Let's take our final break in this second hour. When we come back, we'll have final take with Carter for the first time. He'll give his final take of the day. All that and more when we come back. We'll wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the show. Just got off the phone with him, uh, getting his thoughts on Auburn football coming out of their first scrimmage on Saturday, uh, his expectations for the quarterbacks, the running backs, the defensive backs, all that good stuff. So big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Back in hour number one, we talked to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Uh, talked to him about everything going on in Tuscaloosa. His thoughts on Alabama's first scrimmage uh, on the football field. So big thank you to both of those guys. If you've missed any of today's show, be sure and go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. Make sure you go and find that commercial free wherever you get your podcast or you can go to ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center and it'll be right there. You can go and find that again. ESPNAU.com or search on the line wherever you get your podcast well carter your first day is almost in the books as a co-host how was your first day and then we'll do final take you know it was fun it was fun i enjoyed it you know it it all came back to me pretty quickly it's been i guess a little bit of time since i've been on a mic on a live radio show but it's been it's been a lot of fun i've i've enjoyed the interviews i've enjoyed the back and forth and the uh discussions that we've had about about the quarterbacks about Auburn about the Braves I mean really all of it yeah it's been a great show so far and again if you've missed any of it be sure and go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast well final take today as we've got about three minutes or so my final take look we're going to talk about the quarterbacks a lot more especially building Mm -hmm. up to Friday with the second scrimmage but just in general a quarterback needs to be named, okay? And I think it should be named after the second scrimmage because if the quarterback race is that tight and you have to keep going, I talked about it before, I just think it hurts the team when you Mm -hmm. don't have that set guy. And so I also, though, I don't want you to rush it, right? You don't want to just name a starter just to name a starter, right? And you're not, the good thing is you're not having to prepare for a big-time Power Mm 5 opponent week one. You've talked about that a lot today where you don't have to worry about that but at the same time, I kind of wish we were because then you would have to be naming a starter and you would have those reps. I think a starter needs to be named sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite the, the 2019 Oregon game where you're having, to, you're having to find somebody to go out there against a top 10 team right off the bat. I would say that my, my final take centers around this receivers room because it feels like in years past, we have talked so much about the talent in that room, and it just never feels like it meets expectations. But this year, on paper, it's not really that talented of a re- receiver's room as opposed to what we've seen in the past. Groups with Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, even Nate Craig Myers and Kyle Davis going back that far. I think this has a chance to be the best receivers room, the best season by the Auburn receivers in a while. And I think that they can really show up and show out this year. Talent is not a question. I mean, there is no doubt about it, whether it's the receivers or somebody Mm -hmm. else. Talent is on this team. But when you look up and down the roster in the wide receiver room, Mm -hmm. there are so many guys, old and new, that I think can be part of that solution. It's just the the fact that on paper, like I just said, it's just – 
I don't think that they're the most talented room based on recruiting rankings or anything that we've seen in recent Auburn history. But I think the product that we're going to see, especially coming off last year where it just never felt like anybody truly stepped up and seized the moment and seized the roles available, I think you're going to see some guys do that this year. And I think they're going to, rather than maybe underwhelm a little bit, they're, they might exceed expectations for the first time in my mind in a while. Well, the door's wide open for the wide receivers, and it's not just on them. you got to remember that, too. It's on the quarterback. It's on the offensive line. It's on the tight ends, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to take some of the pressure off of those wide receivers so that they can be better and get oh. open and catch passes. Shinker might break every career record in the tight ends record books Let this him year do it. if he repeats yep. last year. Absolutely. Let him do it. I think there's so much going in on it, but I like your take on the wide receiver. We're out of time, my friend. The Monday edition of On the Line in the Books. Hey, we'll be back tomorrow, though. we got a whole lot more of Auburn football to cover when we uh, come back tomorrow. So, Carter, happy to have you on the show. A new era has begun. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.